Well, hello there. We have reached the day we are ready to go with the 2022 Final Four from New Orleans as this men's basketball tournament concludes back at full capacity, ready to go in the Superdome. We can't wait to talk much more about Villanova and Kansas and Duke and North Carolina. I am merely the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves, coming to you from the Big Easy as we get ready to see who gets crowned a champion for 2022. Will it be Coach K in his final a game or games, depending on what happens on Saturday night. The illustrious 42-year career at Duke is coming to a close one way or the other in New Orleans. Is it the fairy tale? Is it Hollywood? Is he about to win a sixth national championship to match John Wooden? Or might the North Carolina Tar Heels ruin it once and for all, having already beaten Duke in Coach K's final game at Cameron? Hubert Davis and his team, uh, Armando Baycott, uh, Caleb Love, Brady Manick and company, they are they are heroes for having done that in the Tar Heel eyes for this hated rivalry. Now could be an all-time bookend if they can get the win on Saturday evening. We are here to preview that and talk about it. And let's don't sell short Villanova and Kansas and what they are about to do uh, in semifinal number one with Villanova going for a third national title in the last six years. They can get to Monday night's championship game with a win over a Kansas team that has such a storied tradition. Bill Self has his team back in the Final Four. In fact, the last time the Final Four was in New Orleans, Kansas was in the championship game. In fact, the last two times that the Final Four has been in the Crescent City on the Bayou, Kansas has been in the title game. Unfortunately, both losses to Syracuse in 03, Roy Williams' final game at Kansas. And then the 2012 loss to Anthony Davis, John Calipari's Kentucky Wildcats, knocking off Kansas that night in the Superdome for Calipari's only championship um, as a uh, as a head coach. So uh, there is a, there's a lot of tradition, rock chalk, but by the same token, uh, Let's March Nova has a lot to say as well. So we're here to preview it on semifinal Saturday. The two winners will meet on Monday night. We have got so much to cover. I want to tell you that straight ahead, we'll talk with Basketball Hall of Fame writer Mike DeCourcy from right here in New Orleans. Mike has got a lot of insight on the history of this tournament Obviously, the historical perspective of Coach K beginning and end. I mean, believe it or not, Coach K's first Final Four is 1986. Gang, that's 36 years ago. And I've gotten into some of these debates in the past, but there is no debate uh, any longer. You can talk about John Wooden and the UCLA dynasty uh, of the 60s and the early 70s and, and the national titles. But John Wooden didn't go to a Final Four 36 years apart. 1986 and 2022. Uh, John Wooden didn't win a national championship 24 years apart, as Coach K did 1991 over Kansas, by the way, in his first championship win in Indianapolis, and then turn around in 2015 and go back to Indianapolis and win again, winning against Wisconsin that night. For all the great uh, you know, stats and accolades, and deservedly so, for the Hall of Fame coach, the iconic John Wooden, Mike Shashevsky has done things that John Wooden has not done. And you can say whatever you want uh, about the success, you know, the 88-game win streak that UCLA had. They could also, uh, the players could not leave to go to the NBA. So when John Wooden assembled his team, he had his team for three seasons. Freshmen could not play in the 60s and the early 70s, but he knew that he had the likes of Bill Walton or Lou Alcindor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and all those great players 
from those UCLA teams, Jamal Wilkes, who was actually Keith Wilkes at the time he was at UCLA, on and on with all these. He knew they were going to be there for three years. Coach K has operated really for about the last 20 years in the whole one-and-done era of college basketball, where how do you assemble a team that is still going to be there next year, much less two years or three years from now that they're still playing? So in any event, I'm not just coming here on the Saturday college basketball coast-to-coast to knock John Wooden. That's not what this is about. And I didn't go to Duke, although I have affection for Coach K. I've gotten to work with him some, previous broadcast life and Sirius XM uh, and, and the Coach K basketball and beyond show. I just have great respect for the longevity and how successful he has been at Duke for a longer time than Wooden ever was at UCLA. And you look at you, you look at a 13th Final Four, which John Wooden never got to. You look at 101 NCAA tournament wins. John Wooden never had that. And by the way, neither did anybody else. Adolph Rupp, Dean Smith, go through the iconic uh, coaches, uh, even in the modern day, guys like Jim Beheim going to Final Fours or Tom Izzo going to Final Fours. It's staggering what Mike Krzyzewski has done. And again, it could be over on Saturday night. It could be done in the Caesars Superdome in the French Quarter of New Orleans. I don't believe it will be, but this could be the end tonight. So we're going to talk a lot about that. Mike DeCourcy will be here, historical perspective from the Sporting News. He's in the Basketball Writers Hall of Fame. He is coming up uh, here on the program. Uh, Plus, uh, we've got so many different stories to tell. And we've got to talk, speaking of Coach K, and speaking of Kentucky, as I mentioned, Adolph Rupp and John Calipari. This is the 30th anniversary of arguably the greatest NCAA tournament game that was not a Final Four, much less a national championship game. The Duke-Kentucky Epic East Regional Final in 1992 that took place in the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Iconic players like Christian Leitner, Bobby Hurley, and Grant Hill in the all-time list for the Duke Blue Devils. Rick Patino's Kentucky Wildcats, kind of a ragamuffin bunch, pushed them right to the brink as they were going for back-to-back national titles in 1992. This is the 30th anniversary week of that. And so I want to go back to a conversation that I had on a brother podcast, the Powers on Sports podcast. My colleague Jason Powers does a fantastic job with Powers on Sports based out of the Tampa Bay area, talking all sports, whether it's NFL, Major League Baseball, uh, the Champa Bay Lightning two-time defending Stanley Cup champion hockey team. But Jason has such a love for college sports as well, not just in the state of Florida, but nationally. He and I went back and forth about Duke and Kentucky. I want to hear that conversation. I want you to hear that conversation a little bit later on here on the program. Uh, Also, how tough is this ticket in New Orleans? I will share this with you, gang. Being in and around the French Quarter on Friday in the Superdome and the Open to the Public free practices, there were thousands and thousands and thousands of Kansas fans, Duke fans, North Carolina fans. I didn't see as many Villanova, but that doesn't mean they're not here. Uh, I I think about half the state of Kansas is here to see if Bill Self's team with uh, Remy Martin and David McCormick and and that crew, uh, Abaji, the great shooter, let's see what Kansas can do. We know the state of North Carolina is going to come to a stop. You have to appreciate that in North Carolina for 75 years, this rivalry has been king. It is the greatest rivalry in college sports. Sorry, Michigan-Ohio State football or Army-Navy football or Alabama-Auburn football or even Oklahoma-Texas football. And I know in basketball, Kentucky and and Louisville are hated rivals. 
But in terms of the gravity and the weight of this rivalry, the two best teams not only in the ACC, but all of the national titles, all of the All-Americans and the Hall of Fame players, and the fact that over and over and over again, they go to the Final Four, they contend for the national title. This is the greatest rivalry in college sports, Duke and Carolina. And in that state... The hatred between the two fan bases and and the fact that everything will stop in the state of North Carolina in the uh, the Magnolia State coming on Saturday evening, probably about 5 or 6 Eastern time. Uh, I mean, 85 or 90% of the televisions that are going to be on in that state are going to be watching this game. Millions and millions and millions of North Carolina residents and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands, if not millions of alumni all over the globe are watching this with hatred. And plus, if you're a college basketball fan, how are you not into this matchup and the subplot of Coach K, uh, etc.? So this is just some rivalry. Cannot wait to talk about it. So anyway, with that as the backdrop, what about tickets? What about how bananas it is on the secondary market to get to tickets? And one of our sponsors, TicketSmarter.com, will have some insight. The CEO, the top guy of TicketSmarter.com is Jeff Goodman. He's going to be aboard here on this edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast as we get ready to preview the upcoming uh, Saturday semifinals, Villanova, Kansas. And Duke, North Carolina, what about the ticket prices in the different levels and how does it compare and why do you want to utilize Ticket Smarter? Use our promo code as well, COAST22. Get $10 off of every one of your orders. Uh, Look, I know the tickets are astronomical uh, for the Superdome, but you can still take advantage and get $10 off if you utilize uh, what we do on Ticket Smarter. Jeff Goodman will tell you not only about this NCAA tournament, but, man, you've got so many big events. The Masters Golf Tournament, the NBA and NHL playoffs are coming up, the start of the Major League Baseball season, concerts, uh, different events, anything that's going on. Ticket smarter. Think smarter, ticket smarter. Jeff Goodman later on here in the podcast as well. So much to get to uh, here on the show. Thank you for finding us, however you did it. Social media link, whether you found us on the TuneIn mobile app. Again, the show streams uh, at the top of every hour right now on Final Four Saturday, the show is starting over. So if you've just joined the show right now, for example, at the top of the hour, it will be back on board on TuneIn, going all the way through the semifinal games. And then we will be back with a post-game wrap-up version of this program of college basketball coast to coast on Saturday night, recapping Villanova, Kansas, and also Duke and North Carolina. That's coming Saturday night late when the two semifinal games are over, somewhere around 11.30 Eastern time. When it's all done, we will know the participants in the national championship game, and we'll be talking all about it here on College Basketball Coast to Coast in the postgame mode. Again, if you're listening to the TuneIn channel, you'll hear it streaming at the top of the hour. Uh, and again, for the uh, for the replay show, for the recap show, that's going to be streaming over and over again about every 15 minutes or so in the recap mode. By the way, we'll be here Sunday as well on College Basketball Coast to Coast. New show at 1 Eastern time on the TuneIn channel, also available on podcast under College Basketball Coast to Coast. Also here on Monday, National Title Day preview on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Whoever's in that title game, 1 Eastern time on the TuneIn channel, streaming preview Uh, And again, on podcast form as well. So you found us here. I'm glad that you did so. Let's get into it with these Blue Blood teams. So many great teams, so many national championship teams. I mean, Duke and Carolina alone have won six national championships in this decade. By the way, Kansas 
Uh, and the job that Bill Self has done has a national title, and Villanova two more. You're talking about nine national championships in this century that are represented in this Final Four? Absolutely we are. Let's get into it. We've got a special guest, great historical perspective coming right here. So much to cover previewing these games. Let's get it started. Yes, as we do continue along, now I know it's official. Now I know it's good. Whenever I get a chance to catch up with this man. Wait a minute, let me look at my calendar. Did I not talk to Mike DeCourcy throughout this 2022 NCAA tournament. That is unforgivable on my part, but now here he is on college basketball coast-to-coast as we get ready for the final four, the final four back at full capacity, and my Lord, Mike DeCourcy, Villanova, Kansas, followed by, here we go, Duke, North Carolina, and it's about to be here. I love having you on. How you feeling? Are we ready? I'm feeling good. Here's here's. Here's my promise, okay? In 1991, maybe the most hyped Final Four game prior to this one was Duke UNLV because UNLV is coming in 35 and 0, and Duke is, uh, you know, Duke is the one team maybe that looks like they can challenge them after how well they played in in their regional that year. And so we're all looking forward to that game. And in the first game, it's Kansas. Can you believe this? Kansas, Carolina is an underdog, you know, an undercard game. That's how good it was. So I was actually there uh, covering the, the tournament for the Pittsburgh Press. And in my mind, it was get that game over with as quickly as possible. You know, uh, and Kansas was winning pretty clearly. So you could write a, write some graphs ahead of time and then, you know, just put some top, you know, the lead in the top and the quotes and stuff on top of it and, focus on that second game and then Dean gets himself thrown out of the game mm-hmm. and now it's a big story because Dean Smith the great Dean Smith the genteel Dean Smith gets thrown out of a final four game and I missed half of the <laughs> the Vegas Duke game okay no matter what happens between Villano- if Villanova if Bill Self and Jay Wright come to blows mm-hmm. in that game it won't happen those they're, they're the best unlikely guys. yeah unlikely. but if it happens I am I am still in my chair for the start of Carolina Duke. I don't care what happens. Is my point. Uh, that's a that's a great analogy because uh, the symmetry of Coach K's first national title comes in 1991, uh, two nights later after what you were describing against Kansas, and it all comes back to Kansas. By the way, which the last two times the Final Four has been in New Orleans, they've been in the championship game too. So there's so many different subplots from this. Before we get into some of the specifics. What is this like now that we're going to have it back at full capacity? We've got we've got fans galore everywhere all around the French Quarter, 65,000 plus, an amazingly tough ticket. I mean, the secondary market is berserk uh, with thousands and thousands of dollars for not even the good seats uh, for this. What is all of this like to have it back? How stoked are you? You want to talk about full circle, TJ. I came, my first Final Four in attendance, I wasn't yet covering was 1987 and the seats the upper deck seats that we had my friend won the lottery 20 bucks for the two games so wow. t- the two the two sessions i should say so three games for 20 bucks i think they're going to pay a little bit more than that this weekend but uh you know i haven't really been out yet and and actually coming in yesterday really a lot of wind it was bad i i, I took a walk around where my hotel is and a couple of times I almost had to hold on to a, to a signpost to stay standing. That's calmed down now. going to be sunny today, beautiful. So I think you'll see the final four atmosphere just light on fire the next four days. It'll be fantastic. 
but I, I think it's going to be amazing because of that Carolina Duke dynamic, because you have four teams with great followings, you throw in Kansas and Villanova. It, it's going to be fantastic. And I think the games as well, very intriguing. Uh, there is no doubt that uh, you've got Blue Bloods and Villanova deserves to be in that category with their recent national titles. Uh, you've got fan bases from Philadelphia to Tobacco Road uh, to the to the Midwest Plains there with Kansas and all of it in the color blue. We're going to have blue all around us in and around the French Quarter, the Superdome, uh, et cetera. Again, I love this man's wisdom. He's in the College Basketball Writers Hall of Fame, so he might know a thing or two about this. Um, okay, fun one. March the 5th, 2022, Hubert Davis in North Carolina pulled the shock of shocks and beat Duke and Coach K in Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. What could I have won if we had wagered? What, what kind of cosmic whatever mojo has these two teams now back in front of each other Saturday night for a third one, a trilogy in this season, but an all-time epic national semifinal when they've never played in the tournament. Mike, it's nuts that three weeks ago, we really, you know, really four weeks ago, now to game time, four weeks ago, we couldn't have contemplated they would meet again in the final four, yet it's reality. Yeah, if you had gotten a prop, if you could have got somebody to write a prop on Duke Carolina playing in, in the final four before the tournament started, I don't think you'd be sitting here. Talk to me. I think you might be, you might, you mean, might, you might be wealthy enough for your girls to go to school and That's you right. would never have to lift another. Uh, I might be on an island with my family somewhere checking yes, in. From the absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's re, you know, when you think about Carolina coming in from an eight seed uh, Duke having to go through Texas tech and with a, with a, you know, a, a ready-made bracket with just the bracket uh, having to, presumably go through Zags, uh, you would have thought that there was very little chance that we would have this game. But that's the nature of the tournament. That's the nature of this tournament in which every team is flawed. They all go out there. They're all Final Four teams, and they're going to hang a banner, and there's no, not going to be an asterisk. But every one of those coaches is going to know, man, boy, did I dodge it there because I had this problem, and I was able to get through it, or I was able to cover for it, or I was able to emphasize our strengths to the point that they couldn't get to our weakness. Uh, that's the reality of this tournament. That's why Kentucky's not here. That's why Purdue's not here. That's why the Zags are not here in Arizona because their weaknesses flourished in those, in those environments. And that's why they're not here. So I, I think that, uh, that we'll see some really interesting games again. And, and what is the number one job has been the number one job since this final four was established uh, Sunday evening around seven, seven thirty. Well, actually, it was closer to five because the game was over in five minutes. Right, right. <laughs> but uh, uh, but since they've had that, they've had the time to say, okay, here's how we attack what Carolina does badly. Here's how we attack what Villanova, whatever whatever team it is. There are things that they don't do well, and that's what they've been working on. There is no doubt. Again, I love Mike DeCourcy's insight from the sporting news. He has been so gracious to come on with me March after March and in and around the Final Four. Uh, love his insight on, on this event and how great this event uh, has become. 
Uh, all right, the Coach K factor, unavoidable, and they continue to win. Mike, we know this, and you, you've been chronicling them. You were out in San Francisco. They could have been out in the Michigan State game in Greenville, South Carolina, in the second round, and that's it. That's the final chapter. That's the final game. He's done. He's gone. They win. They come out to San Francisco in a game with Texas Tech. They were in trouble in, in the second half and found a way, and you were there. Uh, again, people can talk about destiny. They can talk about Hollywood, whatever. They have had to pull out a couple of games, and you've been there to see some of this up close and personal. Tell me more about the journey that has brought them to this point in New Orleans. Well, I think the first thing is that they've shown a competitive toughness in this game, in, in this tournament, that they did not show almost at all during the course of the regular season. And maybe that's a product of being a freshman-dominated team, uh, Paolo Bancaro, Trevor Keels, A.J. Griffin, those guys, it's all their first time through the tournament. And it's the first time through the tournament for the Duke vets as well, because Wendell Moore is a junior. There was no tournament. Uh, Mark Williams is a sophomore. There was a tournament, but Duke wasn't in it because they got shut down by COVID and they probably weren't going to make it anyway. But any chance they had was was done when they when they pulled the plug on their season because of the COVID outbreak at Duke in Duke basketball, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, so they don't know. They did not come into this with any level of understanding of what it was like to be in the tournament. So they've had to grow into it. And they have, uh, they grew into it in that Michigan state in the final five minutes coming down from five points. Uh, and uh, you, you saw a terrific performance down the stretch. Paolo Bancaro was great. Wendell Moore made some terrific decisions and no one was bigger in that circumstance than their littlest and least acclaimed player, Jeremy Roach stepping up to hit a three within a minute and change to take the lead from one point to four. And then he's carried that through. What he's done is that he has, he has been really good at attacking the defense, mostly off the bounce when the defense was all twisted around trying to guard at one time, Paolo Bancaro, AJ Griffin, Wendell Moore, Mark Williams, okay, we've got all those guys covered up, we're good, and then all of a sudden here comes Jeremy Roach attacking with a layup and getting it home. That's been the problem with having to play against them is that they've had all five guys playing with confidence, playing with belief in their own ability, as well as a more systemic approach from Mike Krzyzewski. He can't, he can't just turn the ball over to one of his playmakers and, on a regular basis and expect to win at this level. He knows that now. So they're running more sets. They're running them crisply. They're running really effectively, and they're, and they're finishing the plays that they set up. A lot of times in life, certainly in sports, you've seen it a thousand times. Uh, anybody that covers sports sees it over and over again. You learn from bad experiences and mistakes what not to do. Again, kind of along the same lines of what you said, this team had to grow up, but how valuable, even in defeat, was it to suffer that humiliating defeat for this team to North Carolina in Coach K's final home game and then suffer an ACC championship game loss that is teaching you your season could be over with at any time now in the postseason? How valuable do you think learning by losing? Nobody wants to lose. I'm not saying that. But how valuable was it to learn by losing and how much has that helped Duke get to this point? You buy that? Yeah, I, I don't know that Carolina could have gotten to this point without winning that game. But if they, if Duke had beaten them a second time, Duke would go into this game believing it was over already. Uh, because that's what happened in the first game. Everybody talks about all the pressure because of the party and the celebration. 
I, I don't buy that as the, as the principal factor in why Duke was so bad that night in the second half. I think there were two things at work. One was we beat these guys by 20 plus on their court. They are not touching us. And you can see that in the first half because Duke was, if Duke was overwhelmed by the moment, why were they so, so good on offense in the first half? Didn't look overwhelmed. They were killing it. I and watched up, the first and half. If I'm correct, up by 10 in the second half. Not like it's nip and tuck. I believe they were up 10 early in the second exactly. half, comfortably up. Exactly. It, it, I was watching and I said to myself, who is going to beat these guys if they do these things? And then before the night, it was Carolina would beat them because they didn't defend. They didn't defend with passion or, or, or the belief that it was necessary. You know, they weren't bad in that Michigan State game. Michigan State just played at a really high level and was a very good team. And Duke had to find that extra gear to win it. And it was the same thing in Tech. Uh, Texas Tech is the best defensive team in the country. Duke came in knowing it was going to be hard, and they prevailed. So they've been really good, and they have a great understanding of what they need to do to win. And I think that they're built well to win the Carolina game. Uh, the question will be, for me, if they can do it two times in a row, two times in three days against high-level opponents. Love this man's insight. I've kept him for a little bit, but just another moment or two with Mike DeCourcy of the Sporting News. He will be writing and covering this Final Four beginning to end, including a national champion being crowned on Monday night in the Caesars Superdome that is coming up uh, for Villanova, Kansas, Duke, and North Carolina. All right, I don't want to short Villanova, Kansas. What a story for Jay Wright to get this team back in the Final Four, but a huge loss with Justin Moore, as you know, their second-leading scorer, their best player. Kansas, meantime, really came of age down the stretch of the season, won the Big 12 tournament, the only number one seed that makes it into this Final Four, and they turned it on in the second half to blitz Miami, the upstart Miami team. Give me a quick assessment. Can Villanova overcome that loss to Moore? Is this Kansas again in a New Orleans championship game like we've seen before? Just give me a couple quick thoughts, if you would. Yeah, you know, I think the big thing for Villanova is Brian Antoine. Brian came out of high school as a five-star recruit, a McDonald's All-American, all the accolades and all that. He's supposed to go to Villanova, be great. And it hasn't happened. He's been as affected by injuries as any college player that I can remember. Uh, it, it, he's just, it, it's, it's been a terrible ride for him from that sense. And coming into this year, they was, he was, you know, it's, a, it's a thinner team than Villanova has had in the past. So they, there was more room for him to make a difference, uh, but got injured again. And was missed most of the first half of the season. And by the time he gets back, Villanova knows what it needs to do to be good. And Brian Antoine isn't a part of it. He, so he gets minutes, but not a role, so to speak. His role is to go out there and give a rest to the other guys and to make sure that he doesn't turn over the ball and he guards his guy. That's all he was really asked to do. And he did it fine, but it does, it's a completely different circumstance than what he steps into now on the biggest stage in college basketball. I think he's going to have to produce for them to be, to have a chance against Kansas. And can he, I, I think he can because he's got talent, but it's totally different. So he's either overwhelmed by the moment or invigorated by this idea. I finally get my chance. Well, this Villanova team has been through a bunch and they're back in the final four with two previous wins. And a lot of these guys were around for that 2018 win. They were, they were young. So we'll see. We'll see how that one comes out. All right. One more fun one. Uh, in New Orleans, where we start, and the anniversary was earlier this week, where we start with Michael Jordan helping North Carolina beat Georgetown, Sleepy Floyd in Georgetown, uh, 1982. We move forward to the game you referenced, Keith Smart hitting the shot for Indiana to beat Syracuse. We move forward from that to the Chris Webber timeout 
against North Carolina. So memorable in the Superdome. We move forward again to Jim Beheim's only national title and Hakeem Warwick with the black shot. I was in the house for that one. And then we move forward to John Calipari's only national championship for Kentucky against who? Against Kansas in the uh, in the title game where there were about 45,000 or more Kentucky fans in the Superdome. It was like Rupp Arena on steroids. So many memorable moments in this dome, right? And so much history. And I know you're writing about it as well. So much history of the final four in this dome. I cannot wait for whatever the story is that's going to come about Saturday to Monday night, Mike. I know you feel the same way. Oh, absolutely. And I can't tell you what it will be. I can tell you what I expect it to be, that Kay will get that last championship and become uh, our, our, our terrific college football writer, Bill Bender, pitched in and did a nice piece about how many, how few, I should say, how few of the, of the greatest coaches have gotten the chance to walk off with a championship. Uh, obviously in this venue, the most, the, the, you know, the most uh, celebrated would be John Wooden in 1975, but you also had Al McGuire two years later, coached his last game and beat Carolina for the national championship. Uh, Scotty Bowman in the NHL had a title in his last go around. Uh, so it's, it's really rare. Red Arbach. So think about it. He's already, you know, got the most final fours and the most victories. So he's passed Bob Knight and he's passed John Wooden in final fours. And then he gets to be, if he wins, he gets to be in the group with Red Auerbach, Scotty Bowman, uh, John Wooden. So, you know, I think it's like, how can it not happen? Right. But that's why we tune in to watch. Uh, Again, I keep saying this Hubert Davis already has the all timer in his first year as the coach to win the one and only final game of Mike Krzyzewski's at Cameron. And now if they get this in the semifinal, and I'm no North Carolina fan, I'm no Duke fan. I'm just, I'm putting it out. If they get this too as bookends to end his career, wow, if that happens, it's a huge wow factor. We will tune in for that. Staggering stuff with Mike Krzyzewski too. A 13th Final Four, 101 tournament wins. I'm pretty comfortable in saying you're not ever, ever going to see someone win 101 tournament games at the same school. That's not, it's not close to happening with anybody else at any other program right now. It's not going to happen at the same school. Like, for example, Mark Fuse been at Gonzaga for 23 years. I looked this up. He's got 38 NCAA tournament wins. 38. That's nowhere close to 101. So it is just staggering. We'll see how the story ends. We'll see how the story ends. I know you can't wait. I can't wait. We're all looking forward to it, right? One more time. Here we go. Absolutely, TJ. Thanks for having me. Hey, it is fantastic to have Mike DeCourcy. Uh, If I get the chance, we'll get some gumbo or whatever on me. I know you're busy with the sporting news. We'll be reading you. Always great to have you. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, TJ. Appreciate it. What will happen in the Saturday semifinals as it's Villanova, Kansas, Villanova, the underdog, as we mentioned, without Justin Moore, one of their star players, the second leading scorer, going against the Rock Chalk Jayhawks, the only number one seed, by the way, that made it to the Final Four. Every year, I tell you, I preach, and numerous others, do not take all the number one seeds to be in the Final Four. Because there's only been one rare exception, that was the 2008 Final Four in San Antonio, when all the number one seeds got there. Every other year, one of them's gone, two of them's gone. This year, three of them gone. Kansas, the only one that made it out of the group that included Gonzaga and Arizona and Baylor. North Carolina taking out Baylor, and uh, eventually Arkansas got Gonzaga, Houston got Arizona. 
So uh, don't take all the number one seeds. But so, so much drama around these two games. Villanova, Kansas, Duke, Carolina, cannot wait. Reminder again, this streaming show that you're hearing on TuneIn coming your way is previewing everything that's happening. will be on after the games Saturday night. Look forward to a recap show here from the Final Four. On Saturday evening, we will know the national title game participants. Full recap show streaming on TuneIn late night, Saturday night, into Sunday morning, depending on when you're hearing us here. Be back on TuneIn. Also in podcast form, listen whenever you like on demand. College basketball, coast to coast, in podcast form. Find us uh, wherever you get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Go get college basketball, coast to coast. And get everything that you want here throughout the weekend. Sunday, Monday, preview shows, recap shows. Uh, subscribe and follow on the podcast, and you're getting us on demand whenever you like. All right, speaking of history, uh, speaking of Coach K going for history and a sixth national title as we have been, let's go back to when Coach K was going for back-to-back national titles. Uh, An incredible uh, regional final in Philadelphia, and the story being told on the Jason Powers Powers on Sports podcast. He and I went back and forth in discussion about the epic Duke win over Kentucky, one hundred four to one hundred three. Now that night in the Philadelphia Spectrum, it is arguably the greatest non-final four or national championship game ever. This is the 30th anniversary of that game this week. How much good Duke mojo is going to be going on in the Superdome when the Blue Devils went on that run to get into the national championship game and win it against the Michigan Fab Five, 1992. It's 30 years later, but we're still reminiscing about this game. So uh, back to the conversation on the Brother Podcast, Powers on Sports, about how great that Duke-Kentucky game was. March 28th, 1992. In the spectrum, 30 years, Christian Leitner at the horn, at the gun, beats the unforgettable. What, what by was that Pino. Monday of this week? That was Monday of this Monday. week was that anniversary. God, yeah. 30 years 30 ago. years. We're watching with our mouths open. My father was in town in Memphis. His mother, my grandmother, was not doing well. He, uh, and she would eventually pass away later in 1992. He was there to visit his mom, visit, visit my grandmother, visit me. There were a couple of other people that were, we were watching that game and just incredible drama with Duke trying to go back to back, yep. trying to get back to the final four. And Christian Leitner's uh, amazing shot was only part of the story because the game was in the one hundreds. Yep. You had NBA players all over the floor in that game. Hall of Fame coaches in, in Coach K and Rick Patino at Kentucky. Just incredible. And it's and, 30 and, years and ago. A wow. couple things about that game that, again, younger audience, you probably didn't see that game live. The guys that are probably 42 and above probably did at some point. Check it out on YouTube. Go look at Kentucky Duke. We think Blue Bloods, but Kentucky was coming off of massive probation when right. Rick Patino took that job. I think it was year two of Patino, I think. That's correct. He had a bunch of nobodies plus Jamal, a guy named Jamal Mashburn. That's right. Who, who was who was a rising star, but a bunch of got a bunch of nobody kids. Richie Farmer, John Pelfrey from the coaching, Darren Feldhaus, some yeah. bunch, just a bunch of average players that Patino got to the Final Four against a legendary Duke team, not just a good Duke team. Leitner, Grant Hill, Bobby yep. Hurley, Cherokee Parks. Grant Hill didn't even start the regional final, came off the bench. <laughs> Thomas Hill, you remember the lefty two guards? Yes, yes. I mean, just 
an all-time Duke team who had just beaten UNLV the year before. That's right. Clear-cut number one team in the country in the spectrum in Philadelphia. You know, you got Vern Lundquist, Len Elmore on the call, CBS, great. That Man, game you goes did your through. homework. You got it all on this yes. game. You're absolutely right. I didn't realize that Grant Hill came off the bench for that team. Uh, and again, they're I don't looking know about to repeat. that the whole year, but that game he came off the bench. Right, and that that year they're looking to repeat. Yes, and Kentucky Kentucky had found what Patino uh, had done his strategy with Providence, Providence, which is the three point shot. Yes, the three point shot was becoming a much bigger deal, and Kentucky was great at it. And uh, I still I still remember they they did that documentary. Speaking of documentaries again, I think it was an HBO or it was an ESPN thirty for thirty on the game. There's probably been two or three of them. Uh, that it looked like Kentucky had won the game on the Sean Woods shot, the unlikely shot kind of in the key off the backboard, unintentionally had gone yes. in to make the game 103 to 102. And then for all time, Rick Patino doesn't put a defender on the inbounder. And the second thing is they let Leitner catch the ball cleanly and turn cleanly to shoot. And the rest he took care of. Uh, incredible. I, and we had the reaction that I'm sure, I don't know where you were watching the game. You can share that. We we're jumping up and down and screaming. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe I was a believe freshman at, at Florida state. I'm sure in my dorm room up in Tallahassee. And remember the other drama about that game was about I don't know, midway through the second half Leitner after he gets fouled stomps on a Kentucky guy laying on Correct. the ground intentionally Gets a technical foul. Many people thought should have been ejected in today's day and age of flagrant fouls. Probably, probably would have been. been. Yeah. I mean, no doubt it was an intentional act. Doesn't get ejected. Leitner goes 10 for 10 from the field <laughs> and 10 for 10 from the line. A perfect day, 31 points. Culminated yeah, with the culminated with the 75-foot pass from Grant Hill who they ran that play earlier in the year, and he threw it out of bounds. He threw a banana curveball out of bounds on a previous wow. attempt at that play earlier in the year. Man, did you do your homework on I this, mean, Jason Powers. You did your no homework avail. on this. And like you said, the frozenness on those Kentucky on Pelfrey's face yeah. and Feldhouse when he catches the ball at the foul line. Again, Leitner with the sense mentally, the smart as he was, Hey, I can take a dribble. I can do a head fake and spin and gets the ball off. Nothing but the bottom to, to win it at the gun. It's such an iconic moment. They've shown it for 30 years. They'll show it for 30 more years on the NCAA tournament coverage. And of course, it's amazing to go back and watch that with Leitner. I contended for the longest time, Jason Powers, that if Christian Leitner takes that shot four more times, I believe he makes it three of the five. I, th I don't think he makes it all five yep. and maybe not four of the five, but I think 60% just because in rhythm, catch, turn, shoot, not contested. I like him to make three of those. Yeah. Do you argue with that? Do you think he only makes two? No. Or he's only he, one for five? No, I think, I think again, people, again, if you don't, younger audience, Leitner is an all-timer at the college level. Didn't have the right. greatest pro career, but went to four Final Fours, two national titles, People don't realize two years before that in an East Regional, he beats Connecticut at the gun in a in a in a yes. regional in the in the Meadowlands on a fadeaway perky jerky shot beat UConn and Jim Cal Jim Calhoun to go to the Final Four. So it wasn't his first buzzer beater to send Duke to the Final Four. 
an all-time great at the college level. Everybody hated him. He was a guy everybody hated. So many different subplots, and you really wonder how many of Mike Krzyzewski's players off that team uh, Christian Leitner, Grant Hill's on the TV coverage on CBS. I saw him on Friday afternoon standing there with Bill Rafter. He got to briefly just say hello uh, to him. And Jim Nance is obviously on the call, but Grant Hill was on that team. Bobby Hurley was on that team. So many tremendous players in Coach K's tenure. You know, Jay Billis is doing the international call of this Final Four uh, as well um, for everywhere other than the United States. Uh, fantastic uh, player in the early 80s, now the ESPN analyst, but I mean, on and on and on with all the the players. Jay Williams, who works for ESPN, Shane Battier. You just go back and forth, Danny Ferry from those Duke teams. Now in the modern era, guys like Zion Williamson, Jaleel Okafor, uh, all the players that helped them win national championships, Tyus Jones, uh, the little guard that was able to get it done. Uh, so many, So many great players. Uh, in Duke history. How many of them will be in the Superdome? Because again, it could be over, folks. As I come your way here in New Orleans on college basketball coast to coast, there's no guarantee that Duke wins this game. And man, to lose to the arch rival again in North Carolina, that would be something else if uh, this catastrophically ends uh, for Coach K with another loss after losing his final home game to North Carolina at Cameron Indoor Stadium back on March the 5th. If it comes full circle four weeks later now and they have lost the national semifinal to the North Carolina-hated Tar Heels, that's an all-timer for Carolina fans, obviously, that they ended Coach K's career once and for all. And Hubert Davis is cemented forever with his leg. He probably already is for the win over Duke with his players, and then to get in this Final Four in his first season. I mean, uh, keep in mind, he joins an exclusive fraternity of guys that have gotten to the Final Four in their first year. Guys like Bill Guthridge did it uh, for North Carolina in his first season. Uh, You go back to Steve Fisher, who won it as the interim coach. He had been the assistant coach at uh, at Michigan, and then Bill Frieder left to take the Arizona job, and Bo Schembechler, the famous football coach and athletic director, said, you're not going to coach the tournament. Remember, a Michigan man's going to coach Michigan, which uh, was uh, Schembechler's line. So Steve Fisher inserted as the head coach, and they won all six games with Glenn Rice, Ramil Robinson, and company in the now-torn-down Kingdome in Seattle. So he won in his first year as an interim coach. Uh, Bill Hodges was the coach. That's the famous trivia question name of Larry Bird's team in his first season, Bill Hodges, at Indiana State. Hodges took over because the previous coach had had a heart attack at the beginning of the year. So Hodges took over as the interim coach. Bird and and Indiana State got all the way to the title game before you-know-who, Magic Johnson and Michigan State beat him. So Hubert Davis kind of in some rarefied air as a first-time head coach in the Final Four. Can they get this game tonight? And then you've got... Uh, two other veteran coaches that have national titles, and Jay Wright with two of them. How about Jay Wright, 20-3 and three in his last 23 NCAA tournament games going back to the 2016 national title run. Obviously, they won them all 6-for-6 six six in 2016, won them all in 2018 6-for-6. Six six. He's won 20 games and lost three in the NCAA tournament. Now, again, no tournament in 2020 because of the COVID-19 pandemic, and they did get knocked out a year ago in the tournament, in the COVID-compressed tournament in and around Indianapolis. But now they've won four more games in a row to get back to the Final Four for Jay Wright and Villanova. This is going to be incredible to see what they can do against Bill Self, who has a national title as well, at the expense of my Memphis Tigers, by the way. So let's see what's going to happen with Kansas and Villanova in the first semifinal. Duke Carolina coming up tonight 
in the nightcap as we come your way on college basketball coast to coast on semifinal Saturday. All right, let's get into just what is it going to cost to get into this game. I'm privileged to be there as part of the media covering this for TuneIn and College Basketball Coast to Coast, but what about the buying public? How nuts is this ticket? Let's get some more insight on the Final Four for Villanova, Kansas, Duke, Carolina, with our guys from Ticket Smarter. Let's do that right now. As we keep talking about, it is going to be such an amazing Saturday at the Final Four. Villanova and Kansas, Duke and North Carolina, and of course, uh, one of our sponsors that is right in on this as well as a bunch of big events is Ticket Smarter, and the CEO is Jeff Goodman, who is back uh, with me here as part of our coverage on college basketball coast to coast. Uh, so the Jayhawks are here. The Villanova Wildcats are here. Jeff, just give us an idea. I mean, th this is I've, I've been perusing Ticket Smarter, the secondary market going bonkers for this Duke North Carolina game in particular because they've never played each other in the NCAA tournament, much less a final four. And it's the high wire act for Coach K, Mike Krzyzewski. It could be his final game on Saturday night. This is some kind of event, uh, and the tickets are big time in demand right now on the secondary market for sure. Definitely. Uh, everywhere Coach K goes, uh, people follow. So uh, the final game at Cameron Indoor was, you know, some people were asking huge numbers for courtside tickets up in the, you know, 50 to 75,000. At least that was the ask for them. And, uh, for this final four, we're seeing some pretty serious numbers. I mean, you can get, you can go on our site and get in the building for a couple, you know, a couple hundred bucks right. uh, to get in on the 600 level. Cause obviously it's at the Superdome, but uh, if you want something that is lower level, you know, between the baskets, I think right now, you know, 4,300, 4,500, $5,000, $6,000 per ticket for, this is for Saturday alone That's right. uh, is what we're, what we're seeing. And so it's, it's big numbers and uh, definitely now, if you want to go behind the buckets on the lower level, I think you can get in there for a little over a thousand dollars, but uh, per ticket, but definitely a pricey final four for the, for the, to see the two games, but you're going to get a lot of great action and, uh you know, if you can make it there and your pocketbook can handle it, um, you know, it's a it's definitely a must see event. Uh, I think I think a lot of people from Kansas City have bought up all the plane tickets. I think it's you, at this point you'd have to drive from Kansas City to get there. So uh, there's no there's no doubt that they have descended on the French Quarter, descended on New Orleans. And again, the backdrop of will Duke win this game and Mike Krzyzewski goes for a sixth national title or will North Carolina do the, the unthinkable, which is follow up the win at Cameron in Coach K's final game with knocking them out of the tournament, and it's his last game ever, and it's a North Carolina loss. Who would have seen that coming? Uh, we will see uh, on that one. And we should say, too, that obviously uh, we didn't have a tournament at all in 2020 with the COVID-19 pandemic and the outbreak. Didn't have a tournament. Did not really had limited fans a year ago to welcome everybody back at full capacity. I mean, Jeff, I can share this with the audience. I've been around the Friday afternoon practices with thousands and thousands and thousands that are already here for the free practices to watch the four teams on the floor. They're expecting over 70,000 to be in there. It's just great in general terms to have the fans back at everything, including the final four, right? A hundred percent. I think whether it was the NBA or asking the college athletes or any athlete, when, when they started taking the field or the court again, when they had fans come back this last you know, year, year and a half, huge difference. They feed off that energy 
and the, the level of play changes. So, I mean, night and day, I was at the final four last year at Lucas oil and, you know, it was limited to what it was 15,000 people approximately. And it's already obviously a huge stadium where you're playing a, a basketball tournament and it is just not even close to the same. In this case, you, you know, you're going to, it's going to be packed and a packed house and fans, Fans like going to live events, and and that's not going to change. I was definitely asked that during COVID. Do you think live events will go away and everything will be like streaming and virtual? And I said, you know, there's a place for that, but and 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 uh, artists and teams got to connect with people virtually for for a little while, but that's not the same as being present. And uh, it it'll be great for. KU fans, for Villanova fans, Duke and North Carolina to be able to be there and potentially witness some, regardless, they're going to witness history one way or another, uh, because obviously Coach K is retiring and and uh, it'll just be interesting to see if he goes out on top and wins the whole darn thing or, or what happens. But uh, I mean, you've got four great coaches, four great blue bud, you know, you got four great teams. It'll be, it'll, it's going to be a lot of fun to be down there. I'm going to miss it. But uh, it'll be uh, a lot of fun. I'll be definitely taking it on TV. But being there in person, huge difference. And, and the athletes will be the first to tell you it's uh, night and day. And I, I'm glad COVID is, is behind us. <laughs> One more time, we tell them about Ticket Smarter. I mean, it's only going to take them a couple of minutes to sign up, navigate, find the events they're looking for. And you guarantee their purchase 100% guaranteed safely, securely through the mobile app and through the website, right? Easy to use. 100%. And if you want to just check out as a guest, you can. Of course, you can set up an account and log in. Um, for making repeat purchases, but one of the easiest websites you'll find to make a purchase and uh, some of the lowest fees you'll find all in price compared to our competition, um, we beat everyone. So um, definitely you can feel comfortable going online and purchasing your tickets with a you know great selection, whatever you're looking for, whether it's a children's show, theater, or a sporting event, we got you covered. So appreciate you taking the time to talk talk today, TJ. I always love insight from the guys that uh, that give it to me, especially for something like this. The CEO of Ticket Smarter is Jeff Goodman. We'll see what happens in the Final Four. By the way, if it is Duke and Kansas, as we began the conversation, Coach K's first national title win is 1991 against the Kansas Jayhawks. How <laughs> wild would it be if that's the championship game Monday night where Kansas would maybe have a chance to repay him or maybe he goes out with another title win at the expense of Kansas? We shall see. Jeff Goodman, thank you. I appreciate you hanging with me here this weekend uh, in New Orleans on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Thank you, sir. Thanks, TJ. Take care. Have a good weekend. It is official now here at the Final Four in the Big Easy because I'm with the unelected governor of the state of Louisiana, Tim Brando of Fox Sports, hanging out with me at the Final Four. This is going to be something else on semifinal Saturday. First of all, great to see you. Great to see you, TJ. Always a pleasure. And, yeah, this is – I mean, I'm asked all the time, um, what is the, the greatest city to host a Final Four? And I say New Orleans, and it's not close. All due respect to Houston and Indianapolis and San Antonio. They're all marvelous locations. But we know, we know how to throw a big event and how to throw a party better than anybody. And this is a, a particularly uh, – memorable day for me because it was 40 years ago right about now uh, I was about an hour into my conversation with the legendary Kurt Gowdy at the uh, at the Hyatt Regency buffet 
where we had about a three-hour breakfast on semifinal Saturday in 1982. He threw a few pearls of wisdom my way that I'll never forget. And he was actually here to do the same thing that I'm doing uh, today and, and uh, tomorrow, and that's the NABC Champions Brunch and, uh, and some ethics panel stuff. You know, he was a legendary player at Wyoming. You know, he's in the Hall of Fame as a player as well as a broadcaster. So, uh, And I was living and working in New Orleans at that time as a sports talk host on Canal Street at WGSO Radio. So that... Um, it's, it's particularly a reflective, nostalgic Final Four for me. Really cool stuff to be here. And, of course, that year was Michael Jordan and the yep. shot against Georgetown. And we've had Keith Smart and the shot mm-hmm. for Indiana against Syracuse. And we've had the Chris Webber timeout in here. And then you move forward to uh, Syracuse yep. winning and Kentucky winning. I mean, there have been some legendary moments in this dome, and we're oh, looking right. to see what's going to happen later today with Villanova and Kansas and Duke and North Carolina. Isn't it amazing to think that you've got uh, Kansas and Villanova in the – Appetizer, you know, like the, the undercard. The undercard, yeah. That that would be the. Oh, gee, that's the other game. You know, my God, what a matchup! I do think that one of the reasons why it's not as uh, ballyhooed is because everybody that knows basketball knows that what Jay's going to do is he's going to take the air out of it, slow the game down, and try to frustrate Kansas, particularly without Justin Moore. Now, when I say take the air out of it, I don't mean. You know, stall. They'll, they'll take breakaway opportunities when they when they can, and get easy baskets because those are always important, and they've got the players to do it. But they have a way of controlling pace of play that that really no one else does. They're the most efficient uh, offense and the slowest offense of any of the teams. And Kansas, I think, is going to struggle with them. I, I think. Villanova will advance. You saw them so many times, including in the Big East tournament, and you're an expert. I don't prop you up just to prop you up. How different will it be without Justin Moore in your mind and the injury for Villanova? thing you got to remember is Caleb Williams, who's going to get the lion's share of playing time, the transfer from Tulane, who played high school ball not far from the Superdome, can knock down shots, and he can also handle it. Jay doesn't have a player that can't shoot or can't handle. That's always been the case with his team. The difference is going to be Colin Gillespie won't get as much of a break in his duties as point guard. You know, Justin would come into the game, take the ball, and allow Colin to run guys through screens, which took some responsibilities away from him. And I think gave him an opportunity to play, maybe play more minutes. So Colin's going to have to have his A-plus game. He'll likely only get to take uh, blows right before TV timeouts. They might bring Chris Archidiacono in to play maybe 45 seconds before the 12-minute the TV timeout or the 8- or the 4-minute TV timeouts. But other than that, Gillespie, or as, as Donnie Marshall likes to call him, gut punch Gillespie, <laughs> is going to be, I think, the focal point of the game for Villanova. That's what you need to watch with Justin out. Well, it's something else that Jay Wright is 20-3, and three, hello, 20-3 and three in uh, the NCAA tournament since 2016. Tim Brando hangs with me for a few more moments. It's college basketball coast-to-coast. Whether you're hearing us in podcast form or on the tune-in channel that we have, we're here before and after these final four games and the national title game on Monday. All right, the other one is Duke and North Carolina. Throughout your long, distinguished career, you have worked this game yeah. so many times, but there's never been a game like no. this, a semifinal to go to the national championship game between these two rivals, and at any moment, it's the final game of Coach K. Either Saturday or on Monday night, if they advance, it is the final game for Coach K. What are you thinking about as we head into this one here Saturday night? First of all, the basketball guys were really good to this Final Four. I mean, they really were. 
uh, it's always a big game. When we had them in Brooklyn for the rubber match in the ACC tournament semifinals back in 2018, people were just going crazy because they haven't met that many times in the ACC tournament in the modern era. This has never happened. And the closest we came to it happening was in 91, and Roy Williams spoiled that when Kansas beat North Carolina and Dean Smith, and Duke, of course, upset Vegas in that memorable semifinal in Indianapolis. The thing that I, I, I notice about this game, especially the emotions of what happened at Cameron and, and the postgame at Cameron, which was spoiled by North Carolina shutting down the coronation of Kay, and what he said that was awkward and maybe a little uncomfortable for the many people in Cameron, this is not good. Remember, he was the first thing out of his mouth was, this is unacceptable. Yep. When he said this is unacceptable, it resonated with that team. And I think the rest of his uh, NCAA journey was built on that moment. And, you know, Bancaro has been off the charts. Williams is an eraser at the rim. And, and North Carolina, if they're guards, I think they have an advantage in the backcourt. If those two guys, Davis in particular, if R.J. If RJ Davis goes off today, mm-hmm. then I think North Carolina has a chance to win the game. But pound for pound, all across the floor, Duke's got the better personnel. And if they play at their highest level and North Carolina plays at theirs, I think Duke wins the game. But I think North Carolina can win it if their guards control the game. Ultimately, that's going to be, I think, the difference maker in this matchup. I've got the Blue Devils advancing. I just think there's a destiny here. This is, this is the wooden of our generation, and I see 1975 flashing in front of my eyes. Now, where Wooden went out as the national championship yeah, and, winner and, and said he, goodbye. He had announced right before the game that he was going to step down after the game. McGuire, Al McGuire, was the guy that had said before the Final Four got underway, I'm done. This is it for me when the tournament began. This swan song we knew about all year long. And this, this team of Duke has really responded well to the pressure in the last half of the season. They evolved to a point where it, it appeared that as much as Kay wanted to make it about them, they've made it about him, and they're inspired. This man is something else. I always love getting to talk with Tim Brando. He wants everybody to know he doesn't have tickets for tonight because every, <laughs> everybody is going crazy about who's got a ticket. It's, it's arguably the t- toughest yeah, semifinal ticket ever in the Big Easy. Thank you. I always love talking with you. I always love catching up for you with you. You always make time for me. Thank you, Tim Brando. I, uh, I don't have a credential. I do have tickets. <laughs> <laughs> but not for anybody else. I'm so glad I don't have to go on the floor today. I'm just going to sit about 20 rows up with my wife and have a good time. It's a blast. Thank you, Timmy B. All the best, TJ. Well, was that any fun with Timmy B? Love that man. Love his insight. And again, he is in his element here in Louisiana as we get ready for these national semifinals. Villanova and Kansas will be up first just after six Eastern time. And then the epic trilogy game for 2022, perhaps the last game for Coach K. He doesn't want that. The Duke fans don't want that. They want the last game to be Monday night in the national title game. But for now, they've got to get through North Carolina one more time, or will the Tar Heels spoil it for them? We will see. Ultimately, at the end, I agree with Brando. I think this is Villanova. I think this is Duke coming on Monday night of the national title game. Even Villanova undermanned will find a way to get past Kansas and get in that title game. And uh, Coach K's team seems to have kicked it in 
especially out in San Francisco with the wins over Texas Tech and Arkansas. We will see what happens coming up in the Superdome tonight. We are so glad that you have been with us on this preview edition of College Basketball Coast to Coast. Whether, again, you're finding us on the streaming tune-in channel under College Basketball Coast to Coast or in podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Again, College Basketball Coast to Coast in podcast form all weekend uh, to catch all the shows. Again, when the game is done tonight, when the game is done on Saturday night, we will have a full recap. A full 15-minute recap of both semifinals, whatever happens, whoever's in the title game, including the mayhem, is it over for Coach K, or does it conclude Monday night with a run at the championship? So again, find us on the TuneIn streaming channel as the show will uh, continue to stream all night and into Sunday. Find us on podcast form as well. For the Hall of Famer Mike DeCourcy from the Sporting News, also from Jeff Goodman of Ticket Smarter, our uh, sponsor here in Ticket Smarter's mobile app, trying to get tickets to the game, and for Tim Brando of Fox Sports, and also the Jason Powers Powers on Sports podcast. Go check out his podcast for more of the conversation that Jason and I had on the Final Four, the breakdown, the stories, and all of that. Powers on Sports, wherever you get podcasts. Go check it out there. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the Final Four games that are coming up in New Orleans on Saturday night. Villanova, Kansas, Duke, and North Carolina. Full recap after it is all done. We're excited to see what happens and who's still left come Monday night. We'll be talking all about it throughout the weekend here on College Basketball Coast to Coast.